Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Hello. And with us, as always, is our trusty, dusty research extraordinaire, audio engineer... Note-taker. What's that? Note-taker. Note-taker guy, (laughs) Jason Rugg. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. Good. Not much has changed since last episode. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to you to say more than hi there, <laughs> which I love and I think is adorable. But you know, I want to hear your voice more. Well, we couldn't do this without Jason. No, for sure. we could not. <laughs> so uh, last time we met, we were talking about fundraising. You have a store online where you can purchase T-shirts and hats and uh, other items. Uh, there's social media where people are can learn more about it and, and people can get involved either uh, through volunteering or uh, making donations. Um, And uh, you've got screenings that are coming up. Yeah. So by this time, you're probably in the throes of screenings. And uh, remind us again, where if you want to attend one of these screenings, where can you go? Yeah, so the next screening that's coming up is on September 22nd. It's in Clarksville, Tennessee, at the Clarksville, Tennessee Library. Uh, you can find out information um, about that on normandystories.com slash screenings. Uh, we would love to have you or any fran- friends or family uh, to join us. There's only 100 seats, so you need to sign up. Uh, after that, it'll be Branson, Missouri, November 5 through 11. After that, it's the Villages, Florida, November 13 and 14. And after that, it's Pheasant run in St. Charles, Illinois, I think around November 15. And after that, we're in the Southern California area around November 20 to 25, something like that. Wow. So that's all we got scheduled for this year. Okay. So far. Is there one in Wheaton in January? Yes, at the Wheaton Library. Okay. Did you see something about that? No, you just mentioned remember? it before. I, I, yeah. I live in Wheaton. I'm like, well, I got to go to the Wheaton one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Wheaton Library actually reached out to me, funny enough. So um, we are looking to do a screening in Washington, D.C., and we're looking to do one in Houston, Texas. And so if you're out there listening to this and you think you want to help us put those together, please email me. And what about um, – I mean, you threw out a bunch of dates and locations uh, – but in a lot of these are, are themed around World War II or veterans and things like that. Yeah. Are, are you looking to get into any film festivals that are more competition-oriented? Yes. Um, so but we have to finish the film first. You have to finish the film first. So for now, we are just, you know, these screenings are happening because other people in these locations love what we're doing and they want to help us. And they want to help us financially raise funds to finish the film. So they are covering my costs for airfare, for um, – you know, lodging, or they'll take me around. Um, and then we're d- devising different ways to um, bring in donations during that time. So, um, so yeah. So let, let's talk about film for a second. So you told a story about how you went over to France to see Hunter on a, a D-Day celebration. And that's where you met Flo and uh, learned about the French perspective of, of D-Day and so forth. Um, someone had sent in a question, why film? Why not uh, write an article about it, just post it on Facebook, do a why blog? Why not do a podcast? Yeah, do a podcast. Yeah. You know, th- this is a huge undertaking. Why, you know, all of a sudden uh, a, a film documentary? Yeah, well, I love big, hairy, audacious goals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No, I just never thought of anything else because 
uh, I felt like that you needed to see it to believe it. You really need to see it to believe it. Uh, what was happening over there, you can't even understand it if you just see it. Like, truthfully, you need to go there. Right. Um, but the closest thing to going there is actually seeing it on film, seeing the people's faces, hearing their voices. Um, and it is so beautiful. The light in Normandy is beyond anything I've ever seen. My theory about that is just it's dappled with clouds and, um, you know, it, 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 there's so much rain. And so there's just it just makes the light beautiful uh, when it's not raining or foggy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but the, the light there is phenomenal. And um, the landscape is beautiful. It's very similar to England where because, you know, it's not far from England. Um, you know, the, there's rolling hills and places you know, countryside's dotted with cows and sheep. Um, So it's visually very beautiful. And you want people to see the scars of war um, to get an understanding of, like, what these people had to go through. So, um, and even though I've never directed a film before, film is what I knew best. You know, it's what my experience was in. It's how I think visually, Mm -hmm. so... And had you ever thought about doing a like a, a series, you know, with streaming being popular right now, and a lot of these things are episodic, and because uh, there's a lot to tell. I mean, you've yeah. shot so much footage. But Funny I mean, you should ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, truthfully, I I think you know I was talking to my editor earlier today as we were just touching base, and um, you know he was saying he had listened to a podcast by. Um, Steve Holfish, who I think you know, he used to work at Big Idea. Yeah, I, I, I met him once when okay. I was there, but yes. So Steve Holfish was an editor, um, is an editor, and he did a podcast, and he was talking about this process. I think he did it actually with Quentin Tarantino or somebody. He did the podcast on, with him? Yeah, or somebody. I don't know. This uh, is all secondhand. It was some <laughs> podcast with Steve Holfish going over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or that um, film about how they it started off as a four-hour cut, and they had to get it down to which is still a long movie but i think it's like two hours something and so he was assuring me that you know was this called the art of the cut yes with fred raskin that's who it was okay not quentin tarantino i believe yeah he i think fred raskin was the editor okay once upon a time in hollywood i I saw this promoted i'll have to check this out so yeah the art of the cut art of the cut i was just bill was saying christian you got to listen to this okay so um i think he has a book called the art art of the cut as well okay i'm pretty sure well, so, and I told Bill, I'm like, Bill, you know, honestly, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but I don't feel like cutting, you know, the phrase is you have to kill your babies. And at this point, I don't feel like killing my babies for me is the problem. Like, I'm ready to cut a bunch of stuff I never thought I would, and I'm okay with it being shorter. But um, I feel like structurally, it needs some major changes. I feel like, you know, I wrote it in six weeks, we put it together in 10. I feel like the the story right now, it feels like two separate films. Mm-hmm. It feels like the French part, and then we go into the American part, and I don't do a good enough job of making a bridge. And um, I think it would be best delivered, this story, in a three-part miniseries, to go back to your question. Mm. I think that it should be a three-part miniseries divided up as the occupation, the liberation, and the celebration. And I think it probably should be called Normandy Stories. 
or something like that. See, oh man, I'm already getting visuals. You know, each word, occupation, liberation, celebration, each has a color, red, white, right. and blue. You know, right. like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I see so, the packaging already. Yeah, so that that's if I had my druthers, I would make it a three part mini series. That's what I would call it. Um, and we are we have lined out the liberation and the celebration pretty pretty good. So. But we've done nothing on the occupation. I have all the footage that I need, but I just need to pay my editor. I need to write it. I need to write. So that's a whole nother budget. The budget that I need now is around $100,000, I'm estimating, maybe a little more, uh, to bring this one hour and a half, hour and 45-minute documentary to completion. Um, But if somebody was to come along and say, hey, here's $500,000, at that point, what I would do is I would suggest making it a three-part miniseries. So, Jason, maybe you can chime in on this, but like so many people are trying, or not so many people, but but people who are trying to make films and get them on Amazon or Netflix or whatever, uh, a lot of that I'm sure is who you know, but how do you get a film sold to something like a Netflix or Amazon or what have you? Well, there's a couple different routes. Um, one way is to go down the distributor route, so um, or in some cases an aggregator. So there are different services online that an independent filmmaker can go to, like Distribber is one of the most well-known ones. I have a friend who actually has uh, distributed his film on Amazon through Distribber, um, and he's completely independent. You sign with them, and then they take it to... Uh, these various places because you can't directly submit something to Amazon or Netflix or anything like that. They want it to be run through a distributor because they can then do quality control. They can decide this is worth it or it isn't. So generally, if you're independent, you need to go through one of these places. Now, if you actually sign with um, a a distribution company or a producer who has a relationship with those studios that you can um, negotiate those separately. But uh, for someone like Christian, unless someone like that comes along, she'll probably have to go through one of these um, other companies that handles that. Yeah, so I don't know what the situation on that is actually. Well, there there is there are the more traditional path, and then there is you know the newer path that Jason just talked about, um, and there are every variation in between. And but usually you do have to have a distributor or a sales agent between the filmmaker or the film studio and the end client. Now, um, in our situation, I'm an independent filmmaker. You know, I have my own little company. I'm partnered with another company. And we own this property because we haven't taken any investment money from anybody. Um, that's why we're asking for donations as opposed to investments. Um, and we then control this property that we then license to a distributor who would then license it to uh, an end user, which would be a streaming service. We call that SOD or um, VOD is video on demand, streaming on demand um, are the two ways. There's many different routes. You can put them on airplanes. You can put them in libraries. You can put them in museums. You can put them in schools. So a distributor, they're niche distributors. Every distributor has their own market. They're sort of like a talent agent in a sense, but they manage properties, um, and in this instance, uh, it's films. And one way, one common way for this to happen is you make a film and you enter it into film festivals. That's why film festivals are so important because it it proves 
what you're worth. You know, if you can get into a con, that's a big deal in itself. Mm -hmm. If you are a winner at con, even a bigger deal. And so distributors go to, and studio heads, they all go to these film festivals to see what the next big thing is or what the next big, you know, filmmaker is or who the next cinematographers are. That's why film festivals are such a big deal. Um, And at those film festivals, distributors then go around making deals for people. And, but I mean, those are just the, most well-known common ways that you can get a deal. And once a distributor would license it, let's say a distributor comes to me and says, Christian, we want to license the girl who wore freedom for five years. We're going to pay you this, which won't be very much because they don't pay much for documentaries. We're going to pay you this, but we're going to spend this much on marketing this film and taking it around and shopping it to the cable networks and the streaming services. And then we will license you know, the film to them for a year or two years or five years. Uh, And then they take a cut of that. And then I get some of that. And now we have another situation where I am friends with a international media distributor. She happens to know people because she works in the business for 50 years. And she went straight to um, History Channel and Discovery Channel and said, hey, are you guys interested in this? And they are. Now, they're not going to give me any money to show it, but they're like, if you raise the sponsors, if Outback Steakhouse will, you know, give us $200,000 for the ads, we'll, it's good enough. We'll show it on History and Discovery. So really, it seems like the next major step is the final push for fundraising to do the final version of the film so that you have a film so that you can screen it not just at like a, a veterans film festival, but a competition right. you know, film screening, it's looking for people to pick it up and then they can take yeah, it to Yeah, because the, we want the broadest audience to see it as possible. And we do want it in different you know, schools and museums and libraries and things like that also. But um, yeah, we can't, uh, we can't really go see, anywhere. This is exciting because so much of this podcast has been Tell us what happened. But now we're in the phase of like, what's going to happen, Christian? <laughs> I we know. don't know. We no, don't know. we're sitting on the edge we of our look, seats. That's right. So very exciting stuff. So why don't we wrap it up uh, here today? Yeah. Can I just say one thing? Sure. Uh, two things, actually. Um, one, just to address the whole screening thing. People have asked me, isn't it a bad idea that you're showing this film so much, you know, and it's not finished? And my answer to that is absolutely not. Because our buyer is not an individual. Our buyer is who? You tell us. <laughs> Our buyer is going to be a distributor right. slash, you know, Netflix, Amazon, you know, History Channel. Those are our buyers. And and so it it doesn't really matter if people see it, you know, in now because they want to know already, do you have a built-in audience? Oh, is there passion around this project? So in a sense, these are called impact screenings as well. So when distributors or even networks look at us as a company, they'll see our social media presence. They see how many people are coming to our screenings. They see the interest, you know, that there is a market and an audience for this content. And so I wanted to clear that up. Okay. And then the second thing is we need more volunteers, 
So if you're listening to this and you are interested and you have skills we can use, I am looking for assistant editors. I am looking for somebody who's interested in doing fundraising. I'm looking for social media content producers and social media people uh, to help my team. Um, So I still really am looking for volunteers. And you can email me at christian at normandystories.com. Great. Okay. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody.